this. Amira puts on the Jets, runs to 10 metres and suckers the goal. Welcome to the Hawk Talk podcast by Round Extravaganza for 2019. My name is Nick Mason and I'm joined by a man who I'd describe as a bald-headed frog. <laughs> Does that get me kicked off the podcast? <laughs> what is this? Is there going to be a mandated stuff you can yell out? Well, that's what Richmond fans are asking for, and I think that's perfectly is, is fair that enough. True? That's true. They've they... asked for a please explain from the AFL. Oh, wow. Mate, if they're going to police it, you need to know what's right and wrong. You need to know how to follow the law if, in fact, you're going to follow the law. I love it. They're just nudging them into a corner. The AFL are now going to have to come out with a proscribed list of stuff you can say to the umpire. Well, you're not allowed to boo, obviously. That's been on the agenda all year, so you don't boo anymore. So, I don't know. Do we go for like a, a pterodactyl-esque scree? Or do, do we just make some other noise that collectively expresses our disapproval? Or, or what do, do we, we just do? go between the margins where they can no longer define exactly what noise that is? <laughs> and where their language doesn't compute, that is where we live. <laughs> we find freedom in that which they can't describe. Hmm. Nothing like Russia. Okay. <laughs> is that our cue to get to the social media stuff? Or? Yep. <laughs> iTunes. You can rate and review us on iTunes. 162 ratings. Tis. It continues to climb. How about this? Surging towards 200 now. It's been remarkable, the uh, number of people giving us feedback the last couple of weeks. We heard from uh, D Lindsay 89 who left a review on iTunes. I listened via SoundCloud, but the podcast is so excellent, I actually just logged on to iTunes so I can rate it. Is that before the hammer comes down on iTunes? Because I've been reading that it's gone. <laughs> yeah, apparently iTunes is going out the window, so I don't really know where that leaves us, or in <laughs> fact, the literal millions of podcasts out there. So I think, be interesting. Uh, what's that other thing that all the young people are using? Spotify? Oh, yes. I noticed the Obamas have signed up for a podcast on oh, Spotify. Yeah. Okay, well, that might be our future. <laughs> Can we outrate the Obamas, do you reckon? What a, how popular is our podcast? We're getting there. I just like to put us in the same bracket. There you go. Same sentence. I think we've earned it. Earned it via use of enough Obama gifts. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, there's been plenty across the journey. We heard from Chaz Magic as well. Loving the insight, guys. Look forward to the bi-week player review. Ooh, bit of a sizzler. That's a teaser for what's coming up. Yeah. Have you got the plank ready for... <laughs> <laughs> Always got the plank ready, mate. So we thank Chaz Magic for that one. 162 ratings. Now, uh, there is one player, Tiz, that's played exactly 162 games for the Hawks. Do you know who that might be? No idea. 162 games for Peter Russo. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll go with it. Yeah, he was considered a popular club man as well as an extremely versatile player. Lined up as a ruck rover or forward pocket traditionally, but he also played back pocket and on the wing over the course of his career. Where did he not play? Well, exactly. Oh, well, ruck maybe. <laughs> In that case, I would say. Uh, recruited from Pakenham, he was part of Hawthorne's 1978 Premiership side as well as the 1986 Premiership side. So uh, defeating North Melbourne and Carlton respectively there. 
I wonder if he played in a couple of the losing teams as well. He missed out on 83 there. Yes, he missed out on 83. Post-retirement, uh, he became a high school mathematics teacher. Oh, that'd be good. He'd be excellent at his six times table, you'd imagine. <laughs> That's exactly right. So there you go. We raise a glass to Peter Russo. 162 games to the Hawthorne Football Club. Now, uh, as well as iTunes, you can find us on Twitter, at HawkTalkPod. Get on board as we gear up for the Essendon Clash. You know it's going to be a bit spicy on Twitter, so you want to join us there for that. And uh, you can find us on Facebook too, facebook.com slash hawktalkpod. They're above us on percentage, have you seen it? Are they actually above us on the ladder? I See, it's been the buy round. I haven't looked at the ladder in about two weeks. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Did you notice Hawthorne go on holidays? The Swans turn up, play a decent game? <laughs> Coincidence? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they finally got it together. That was interesting. What's going on with West Coast? Now they've got two players suspended and... There's another coach on the chopping block. Oh, wow. (laughs) Oh, come on. I mean, we've got to squeeze more out of this Sam Mitchell going to another club story, don't we? Is that what they're going with? Because... Oh, they're mad for it. You don't want to go and do a Bolton, do you? (laughs) I guess not. Do you think he'll get another role? I hope Bolton finds a home with us again. I I hope Bolton returns home. If there's a position vacant, I'd be more than happy to have Bolton back at Hawthorne. Because I can't think of a Carlton coach that's gone on to somewhere else... I'm genuinely scratching my head. What's your tone here? Is there anyone? Was it Parkin to Britain mm. to Ratton? There's Pagan in there somewhere, wasn't Oh, yeah, there? Pagan's there as well. That <laughs> ended his career. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty tough to come back from. He needs to come back home, Bolton. We decided that last week. Bolton needs to come back to Hawthorne. As for Sam Mitchell, the age reports he's going nowhere. Hawthorne assistant Sam Mitchell has ruled out throwing his hat in the ring to fill the AFL coaching vacancies at Carlton and North Melbourne. I feel like that should be Carlton or North Melbourne. Because that <laughs> sentence tends to imply he's going to do both. I wouldn't mind if he did both. That'd be fine. It's, uh, it's strange, though. He's a very ambitious man, Sammy. Is there so how long is he going to sit in the background? Well, is there a succession plan, as per rumour around the Hawthorne football Mind you, he's fairly young, and so is Clarko, so you wouldn't think they'd both be that patient. The highly regarded Mitchell had been considered a left-field candidate for the senior role, despite being in only his second season as an assistant coach. So, yeah, really young in terms of his experience in that field. I would get the feeling that North Melbourne want one of their own, don't you? Oh, I could see that happening, yeah. David King out there telling everyone in they've oh, lost their please identity. please appoint David King as coach. No, no he'd be oh. shocking. Oh, it'd be so fun. Bring Laidley back. <laughs> yeah, the halcyon days of Dean Laidley. <laughs> Good player, terrible coach. <laughs> that was really a, but seriously, folks, moment. <laughs> I quite enjoyed that. Hey, it was really good to see Sammy Mitchell and Cyril Rioli back out in the MCG, wasn't it? Yes, it was. I would have liked to have seen Cyril turn out for a Hawthorne game, of course. <laughs> yeah, that would have been nice. Because I got to see him off at the uh, grand final, but uh, the club should have organised something for him. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know what? That would have been nice, but what was nicer still is just to see him pretty happy. He seemed pretty chill, didn't he? He looks aged. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And he Let looks relaxed, go. doesn't yep. he? And uh, certainly one hell of a thing to do, not to play in Tasmania, but then to go down into freezing cold water. <laughs> at, at the behest of Sammy Mitchell, who gave him a nudge. Did you see that? Yes. Yeah, Mitchell <laughs> his, sent him down the slide. His blue Smurf costume. Yeah, the closest he's getting to North Melbourne colours. <laughs> It did suit him, didn't it? His Ugh. face sort of did did go with the Smurf feel. Weirdly enough, sure, I agree with that. And what was Cyril in? Cyril's just in a 
tradie outfit he got from his closet, apparently, by his own admission. I tell you what, it feels like the YMCA crew from a couple of years back. <laughs> no one else wanted to pick up the other three. Well, Nick Revolt was the MVP, to be honest. I love how it has to be a competition, even... Of course it's a competition. <laughs> Clarko won last year. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> it's always a competition when, it, when charities are involved. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you couldn't bet on it. <laughs> well, it's not easy, according to... Easy, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Now, just how much advertising was there around this charity event? Cause what, that's... the uh, Toyota Camry big slide? <laughs> bet Easy was involved, I take it, as well, by your tone? Or... Well, it was, yeah. It was plastered over everything, and then we've only just seen the article that well, some incredible amount of players are troubled by gambling addictions. Mm. Yeah. So I think you'll have to give up your multi... No, no, no. That's that's extremely responsible gambling, and that's fine. <laughs> it is basically making the point that it can't be done. <laughs> no, that's not true. Mate, that segment's dynamite. We can't lose Mason's multi. <laughs> well, I can lose Mason's multi. We yeah, know that. Every week. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I really thought I was onto it this week. Genuinely, in my heart of hearts, I thought it was a really good shot. Yeah, until I talked you out on Friday night. That's right. I said Geelong by 40 plus, and... <laughs> I said, what do you reckon, mate? You're John by 40. I reckon there's a sneaky chance here. And you go, nah. No, well, that first quarter. Yeah, you're right. Uh, anyway. <laughs> you did talk me out of it. Anyway, uh, should we go on some, some more Hawthorne stuff? We've got our... Yeah, we've got the report card, don't we? season report card in which we go through every Hawthorne player on the list. And to list a few. <laughs> well, maybe. No, how, br- well, how, how, how brutal is this going to be? Well, I was going to say, how harsh are you going? Because I be... feel like I haven't gone that harsh. I've, I've got my... Uh, basically, in my mind, I've got those stickers you used to get in junior school. Mm, okay. You know, excellent work. Okay, yep, and gold stars and that sort of thing. Great work, gold star. Yep. Needs work. <laughs> See me afterwards. <laughs> that kind of thing. You, you don't want to run into any of these blokes in the street, <laughs> let's face it. <laughs> and neither do I. No, most of it's about how... Well, we, we know where we are as a club, or as a I list, so. and uh, we've got some building to do, and we've also got to get the best out of our experienced players and uh, get it into the minds of the younger boys. So I think to kick this off, we'll just go numerical order. Jumper yeah. numbers. That seems to make the most sense. So we kick off with uh, one Harry Morrison. So Harry Morrison is 20 years old now. And uh, what are we thinking? He got the number one at the start of the season mm. in, in a nod to Ken Judge. Uh, you wouldn't say he'd set the world on fire this year. No, Been it's... given a couple of shutdown roles earlier in the year and... We haven't been wowed with him. I think it's fitting that you mention his age as well. That's a timely reminder that he is only 20 years old. I think for some reason, I don't know about anyone else listening out there, but it's it was easy for me to forget that he's only 20. Yes, well, he's only just come from the Murray Bush Rangers. You've got to remember that he was a very late pickup. Um, so either Hawthorne were, <laughs> were hiding him or uh, he was hiding some really, uh, really good development that we have to get into him over the next couple of years you know he, he he seems to be good within the structure but having tom mitchell out and mm. really some wavering inside midfield players it doesn't allow him to play his best game which is an outside game built on uh, i can see we're going to win the ball and back mm. himself to sprint and he looks a little lost in light of you know players like henderson and scully and smith also feasting on the ball especially henderson who we'll get to when his disposal efficiency dropped, he was dropped also. Mm. And then he was well above standard in the VFL. That's so right. He came he's straight still, back in. He's still working hard. He's capable of producing good footy. We can see that. 
But uh, right now, I mean, it, it, just the drop-off from 2018 has been a bit alarming, a bit disappointing for fans. I'd say at this stage, he's outside our best 22, but, you know, that can change. We can see how well he can play and fit into this team. As a link man, with the disposal efficiency we saw when he first came to the side, he could be fantastic. Mm. But he's one of those players that's a bit of a luxury. I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Well, I've gone with a D, which I know will sound quite harsh. That is that is quite harsh. Well, I'm only going by this here. It's a mid-season report card, and I'd say to date, um, he's been pretty disappointing. Fair enough. I have high hopes for him, though. I think he can turn it around. This is not, you know, I don't prescribe a D to say that he's always going to be languishing in, in that way. I think he can claw his way back. I'd like to see him kick a goal this year. He hasn't managed to trouble the scorers yet. That's mm, uh, fond memories of that goal up at the SCG. Oh, yes, that was a beautiful goal, wasn't it? Mm. Was that his first? I don't think it was his first, but it was a beauty. It's probably his best. And now on to number two. Jared Ruffhead. Well, we know he's struggling for form. Uh, six games, eight goals. Yeah, he, he's looked slow. He's starting to show his age, for sure. He's also been thrust into a number of positions that don't really suit his mm-hmm. age. Mm-hmm. Still a source of goals, though, as you point out, because uh, he's sitting equal third in our goal-kicking, which might surprise some people. Yeah. Anyway, he's basically been told he's the past. It seems that way, yeah. he's. Uh, I imagine he's being used as a mentor for the Box Hill blokes, which is, you know, if you're going to... And anyone that asks. <laughs> anyone that asks, that's right. Um, <laughs> but he, he's invaluable in that role, but, you know, it does cast a few doubts over his future in, uh, in relation to the senior lineup. Are we going to see him again? This, we have to see him at least. Yeah, they'll give him yeah for his fair farewell game. Yeah. Um, but in terms of bringing him back sooner than that, I don't really see the point. I love Ruffy, but I'm not sure. I mean, who do, who does he come in for? Like, who gives up their spot? Lewis? Uh, I would like to see McAvoy back and mm. then playing one ruck. You might be able to let Roughhead come back in. Well, I give Roughhead a C. A C for... <laughs> no, I don't mean it like that. <laughs> He's perfectly middling. He's about where you'd expect at this point in his career. And I didn't expect him to, well, A, be dropped and B, be out of the side as long as he has been. But do you think he was stunting the growth of those around him? Because I certainly do. Oh, look, maybe. Maybe. Um, I think they'll be better when he comes back in mm. for him being out. Even if he does play on next year, which I can't see at the moment. I think he's probably having a great effect on the boys around him at Box Hill. That's that's the part I don't mind about it. That's the part that makes me think, I don't actually mind if he Well, doesn't... he's a get-out kick at Box Hill, which yeah. I don't really enjoy either. <laughs> uh, because he's going to make players' skills look better at that level than mm. they actually are. Right, gotcha. Anyway, from one frustrated man to the next. <laughs> Tom Mitchell, who uh, I've not given a rating to. I'll just flag that right now. It's a, not it's an a... F? Yeah, not an F, no. <laughs> a little bit harsh for a guy that broke his leg. Yeah, well, that's a fail. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is brutal. No, it depends what he, how many leadership books he's reading over the to- over the period, doesn't it? Well, it seems like he's working hard at least. That was his, his first rehab. Instagram post, by oh, the way. It? Yeah, after he broke his leg. I thought the shapes thing was his first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not everybody enjoyed that one. What his brand deal with Arnott's apparently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm looking forward to Tommy back, and uh, we certainly need him. Now, Jarman Impey, this will be the first tick we've come to. I would say so, yep. What did you give him? I gave him an A. Yes, well, he would be the most improved on the list at the moment. I'd agree with that. He's developed into a very dependable defender. The dash and the flare out of the back half has been great to see. 
He's always good for a surprise intercept mark as well, Impy. You're not sure if he's going to get he, up there and bring it down, but he, he usually does. He's very strong above his head, Impy. Uh, he is 23 years old. So much upside there, given the age. And he's just hit 100 games. When was that? Was that round one? Yeah, uh, round yeah. one he hit 100 games. Hmm. So he's only going to get better. And it's great to watch um, him just sort of gelling with those about him. A couple mm. of times he has played a game where it looked like a one-man defender. It's true. Yeah, he's really stood up. And uh, I think something you pointed out in previous episodes this year of our podcast is his improved disposal efficiency, Tiz. He's also managed to kick four goals, drifting forward under Clarko mm-hmm. in early parts and late parts of games. And uh, this is a nice little patch here, the four, five, six, seven, isn't it? Yes, we are getting to a good patch of players here, but as I said, Impy, just to wrap that up, comfortably in our best 22, would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, so it's an A for Impy. What about this bloke, James Warple, number five, the Warpedo? He's wearing the number proudly. Certainly is. Under the tutelage of Sam Mitchell, he is wearing it very proudly indeed. I think that's been a big component of his season, to be honest. I I mentioned that because it came with a bit of pressure after Burton left. Well, (laughs) there's that too, yes. So he's kicked four goals, just as many as Impey, mm-hmm. and uh, is looking like a 250-game player. He had a real opportunity, as with a few blokes, to really impress in Mitchell's absence. And Well, let's put it this way. Mm-hmm. He has an opportunity to impress, yes, but a very low likelihood of being dropped. So for him <laughs> to actually perform as well as he has, right, with yes. the determination he has. You see, if you're a professional, you can... Basically make you run. (laughs) And you see that with a few players, a couple that have left Hawthorne or retired. Mm -hmm. They knew when to uh, get a suspension and, (laughs) you know, they just let their body recuperate for a few weeks. Mm -hmm. Remember that during the three-peat, there was no real pressure on their spot. Yes. And uh, every now and again, they'd get sighted. I Mm. thought Ablett was doing that a couple of times a few weeks ago. (laughs) Could be the explanation, yeah. A very sort of professional way to... Give your body a rest. But, sure. Um, so Warple's doubled down and he's just improving all the time. He's getting a lot bigger across across his chest. Mm-hmm. You probably notice that. And uh, he seems to actually be putting on weight through the year, which is um, amazing work from the conditioning staff. It's outstanding just how integral he's become to the engine room at he, he can break a tackle. How many bugs mm. in our team... Do you notice really breaking tackles? I don't want to talk about that. Okay. (laughs) No, he shows incredible promise, Warble. A genuine prospect that Hawks fans ought to be excited about and are. I don't know one Hawks fan that's down on Warple. Uh, It's an A from me. All right. On to James, the big sis. (laughs) The hothead. The happy Gilmore equivalent in Aussie rules. Uh, So we heard all this stuff that he'd found a new inner sis and... (laughs) He was going to be level-headed and cool and calm Mm. and collected, and that lasted a few rounds. (laughs) White line fever made itself known again, and we got the comparisons to Dermy, which was Mm. a little bit unhelpful, you'd have to say. Well, I don't think Sicily did himself any favours there by imitating Dermy in the club's promotional material. Ali also got victimised by Hawkins and and the Bulldogs and got no protection from the umps, Mm -hmm. which seems to have been corrected. You'd have to say recently, yeah, a little bit. he's getting a little bit more protection, but not a great deal. So he would have to be the best performing player on the list. I'd say so. I've at least listed him as the best defender that we have, uh, and this is building upon an already extraordinary 2018 patch. 
uh, and he has become one of our best players. Repels, intercepts, rebounds. He uses the ball amazingly well. His, like, his disposal efficiency is always... It seems to be 80% and above every week without and, fail. And only 24. Only 24. That's that's outstanding. Sicily for mine, solid as a rock. Uh Playing as a key back with 186 centimetres. <laughs> yeah. It seems to me if that Sicily's on, and by that I mean he's not not losing his cool, if Sicily's on and he's firing, then that's a good barometer of like where Hawthorne's at. We're a good chance to win if he's playing well. Can I just remind everybody, as we later on look at some of the younger players who perhaps haven't kicked on or... Now, Sicily was taken at pick 56 in 2013. Incredible. So that's five years before he started really displaying his wares. Play him forward. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't going to happen. He's proved himself too good to play forward. The only time you'll see him kick a goal is if he, you know, maybe sits around that 50-meter arc and no Danaher this time, of course, this week to come trotting by for a low five. Unfortunate, isn't it? He's so entertaining. Sicily's my first A plus of the list. Are there many? Because you'll uh, devalue them. Have you done a belt curve with these? or I've not done all the uh, <laughs> statistical work behind it, Tears. It might surprise you to learn that. Uh, no, Sicily's my first A+. And uh, my next A+, is the very next player. Interesting. Ben McAvoy. It's an A-plus from me. Haven't seen him for a while, of course, but hugely important to Hawthorne. Been extremely good. And our second top 10 pick on the list after mm. Ruffy. So he's taken pick nine in 2007. Mm-hmm. You'd have to say at 29, he's only got a couple of years left. Yep. So uh, excellent player, though. Very important to our structure. And I was very worried when he, when he was declared out for a while. So he'll be another two or three weeks after the bye. That's right, yep. Still a while away. Uh, for a while, I've said it on this podcast before, sometimes Hawthorne, <laughs> at our club's worst, it seems like we play a game plan that would be described as Ben McAvoy or bust. We really <laughs> need him to be one of the best players on the ground. And credit to him. But he's kicking he's, in the forward line and has been great this year. Well, that helps too. But he, he's been so much for this club. And, uh, I mean, he, he plays his role perfectly. Uh, now, on to Mitch Lewis. The switch to Mitch. Progressing nicely, I reckon. 20 years old, 198 centimetres, 92 kilos, which I think is a little bit generous. Played two games last year, six games this year. Mm-hmm. Has kicked seven goals. Slow and steady for Lewis at this rate. Uh, Only just notched up multiple goals for the first time last week against the Lions, which might surprise some people. But like you say, he's played just eight games. He's showing plenty of promise. Taken at pick 76. (laughs) Yeah. Two after Harry Morrison in 2016. You'd have to say fairly good return already. (laughs) Started out as a joke. (laughs) We're going to laugh last on that one, I reckon. Yeah. I'm very excited by Mitch. What did you give him? I gave him a C. Uh, For a a key forward who's only 20 to have kicked seven goals, that's averaging a goal a game this year. Are you saying I've underrated him? I have, yeah. Oh, you know I'm a huge fan of Mitch. Hence the hashtag. (laughs) I'm a huge fan. I think going forward he could be incredible. He's a contested marking beast. We're seeing that. He's good in front of goals. He just needs to be given more and more opportunities. I, I would not see any sense in dropping him apart from uh, resting Lewis or, or managing him for whatever reason because he's the future. I'm going to let you take the number nine on all on your own. All on my oh. own, really? <laughs> no, no he, he has disappointed a little bit this year, Burgers. 
But uh, I can only feel that that's because he's been injured and it takes the old body a little bit longer to lubricate and get going. Yeah, I'd say that um, at 36 years old, we can give him some lenience. <laughs> I reckon that's fair. Uh, he's starting to slip back into the pack a bit, is Silk, don't you think? Like with his peers? Well, he had his best game against Brisbane. Yes, still fresh in the memory. And a couple of smothers that were critical. There are certain points in games where you can tell, you know, there's still a little bit of that magic left. There's still those breathtaking, miraculous moments that happen. I've probably thought that he knows where he needs to be, but he can't get there a couple of times. Okay. Um, which it'll happen for him now. But in, on that occasion, how he managed to smother a couple of those was ridiculous. <laughs> and resulting in goals directly. I mean, just forcing touches. the turnover. Yep. You have to imagine his experience and leadership at this point on the field is pretty invaluable. Um, I don't know who he gives up his spot for. <laughs> I mean, he is 36 and he's winding down, but I don't see how he loses his spot. Really? You don't see anyone pushing through? Not specifically for Silk, no. no well, not anyone that I'm... That's a bit I'm, concerning, it to is, be honest. Well, I'm, I agree. But not anyone or any single player I'm amazingly confident in that I go, oh yeah, he's a walk-up for Burgoyne's role. I just don't feel that way about any particular player right now. Did we now. go the right way? Should we have perhaps jettisoned Burgoyne and kept Hodge? Oh, do we have to think about that? No, we don't have to think about that. <laughs> it's just a bit of a miserable time playing that sort of hypothetical game, I think. Well, these are the, these are the choices uh, are. Uh, that change the profile of the club. They are. Well, you know, it, it's, it's worth remembering that Hodge had retired Basically, that was the end of it. He wasn't supposed to play on it. That's just how the cards fell mm-hmm. at the end of the day. So. Yeah, no, I believe that too. <laughs> you are. And now on to number 10. You said I was going to be harsh. <laughs> Jeez, I gave Burgoyne a C for what it's worth. Okay, Jager O'Meara, been outstanding in the first month. Yes. Has sort of fallen back to the pack now, wondering whether he's managing a condition. Yep. Uh, you'd have to you'd have to say he's our best mid. Yep. Even ahead of James Warple, and he'd be the second best performed player. I'd say. I wrote that he was easily our best midfielder in the early parts of the season, and really worked his ass off to shoulder the load left by Mitchell, and uh, he really did everything that we wanted him to. It's just that now, as you say, he might be struggling with a bit of fitness or injury concerns, and. Clubs are putting work into him. They know that they have to because he's our main guy. Yes, that's true. Whenever he's got the ball, we look a lot more dangerous than um, if Warple or any of the other uh, midfielders have it. Apart from one that we'll get to later, who's having a fantastic year. So what did you give Jager? It's an A for Jager from me. A for awesome. Yeah, amazing, astonishing. All those A words. No, he's been great. And um, I look forward to seeing what he can produce after the bye. I think the break might have done him him especially some good. So I'm excited to see what he produces. Now we move on to the next player, number 11, your mate, Connor Nash. My mate. He's one Hospital of your handball. No. Come on, you've done a couple to me already. All right, get your grade out. Come on. <laughs> okay. Like gave old Nashy a D. Uh, did you? Yeah. Okay. Is that All fair? Right. Yeah. I, well, I've been disappointed. I'm 20 years old. D for disappointment. Five games last year. <laughs> five games this year. Two very generous. A couple of goals from inside the uh, goal square. Yeah, God. We thought that Nash Jenkins medal might be a fun little thing to do for the season, but... Well, he hasn't been performing in... So Jenkins has been dropped. That's right. S-A-N-F-L. Yeah. 
but uh, Nash was dropped to the VFL and has hardly appeared. So there yeah. seems to be a mystery ailment there. Very sporadic appearances since he was dropped from the seniors. And see, he's in no man's land, Nash, which is a bit sad to see because he has shown promise. It's just... Oh, absolutely. It just hasn't really come together this year. He's and quick. He's 197 centimetres. He's yeah. 20 years old. It's a lot going for him. 92 kilos. Well, I hope we see that, him back. Remember in... that tackle he put on Lloyd? <laughs> yes. The finals. Yep. Oh, that was a beautiful tackle, that. I just wonder where to for Connor Nash. Uh, well, hope... So he got upgraded to the senior list yep. at the start of the year. Mm-hmm. And I suppose he might be having some troubles with settling. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But he's certainly a talent we want to keep on the list and, and see whether he can bring it all together. I want to have em- seen flashes of brilliance. Yeah, I want to emphasise for listeners that, you know, I I do attribute a D to Connor Nash on this mid-season report card, but it's an optimistic D. I think he's got plenty of room to grow from here, and I hope that he does. White Cross's number indicates that they've got some faith in him. Uh, James Frawley, number 12. Uh, still finding frustrating at times, but I can't deny how important he is to our club. Yeah, we had a migraine a couple of games, didn't he? Took him out, and then he's had a couple of lower body issues mm-hmm. and a back issue, and slowly but surely the 30-year-old body is making itself felt. That's what I'm worried about, is that uh, you know he's coming down the mountain now. But you can see how important he is to our structure yes. when you consider how much is scored against us when he's not present. He's shown this year that he can still nullify a full forward, as well as anyone in the competition. And also provide space for Scrimshaw in Sicily. Yes, yeah, and that's key. So he, he remains an important contributor as part of the backline cohort. I just wonder what what the future is. I, you know, we'll get to Brand later. I happen to think that Brand is the next guy in line to uh, to take Frawley's spot. But I don't know when Frawley's still as important as he is. Uh, I don't I don't know how you approach that one. I gave him a B for what it's worth. And now Connor Glass, the other Connor. Mm-hmm. So he's been subject to requirements in the AFL. They asked him in the VFL whether he could go into the centre and sort yep. of exert pressure and win win his own ball, and he answered that. Yep, you'd so have to say So he moved from the half-back up. flank mm-hmm. and the wing to the inside mid-roll, and he managed to get a couple of appearances in the uh, senior side. So he's probably ticked a few boxes for the coaches. Diminishing returns, though, for mine. That's why if I've graded him as a D, and I, that might be a bit harsh, but... I well, felt... I hope he gets a higher score than Daniel Howe gets because <laughs> well, Daniel Howe was overlooked for Connor Glass. Yeah, that is true. Look, Connor Glass, I, I felt that his senior recall was pretty impressive. I liked what I saw there, but every subsequent appearance, he's played three games back in the seniors. The second and third really did nothing for me, and he has a habit of just... When he makes mistakes, they're incredibly glaring, <laughs> like no other player that we have on the field at the moment. So there's, Yeah, there's a... Distinct lack of footy IQ in the panic mode. That's right, yeah. So where other players might panic and kick as would be, oh, I don't know, you can you can basically tell that a footballer would kick there and, and it would be uh, presumed by the opposition that's where the ball was going. Mm. He kicks it somewhere else, which is even worse. <laughs> yeah. It's just how it's happening for him at the moment. Yeah, he can't hang at the level right now. It's not to say he can't full stop, but... 
Yeah, I'd say there's been diminishing returns, and hence the uh, the D grade for mine for Connor Glass. Yeah, progressing through to a uh, 31-year-old champion of the club with only five games to go to get to his 250th. He's been sitting there for two years now. Number 14, Grant Birchall. Any sightings? On the subject of Birchall, we heard from one of our listeners, Simon, at Hawk Talk Pod. Is Grant Birchall still alive? Bit rude? A little bit rude, but I think it's a fair enough question for a club that gives us bugger all in terms of updates. What are they meant to say? They've got nothing well, to tell us. Well, I don't know, Tiz. One update every fortnight would, wouldn't go astray, <laughs> would it? We've heard well, nothing not, for weeks. There's a few players on our list we have no idea what's going on with them. So they're, are they just trying not to put pressure on Grant now or what's... I don't know. Uh, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to Ashley Brown's comments about this because this has gone on far too long without any kind of uh, distillation from this, the Hawthorne Footy Club. Is this where we sizzle up a little bit of a preview of next week's pod? We're going to have returning guest Ash Brown on. Does he have any rumours and innuendo oh, for us? I'm hopeful and... for an inside scoop. We'll see what he brings up. He's been good for it other times. Remember the call on Scully? Yes. That was a... From a long a way. A long way out. <laughs> it was a good call. Good call, Ash Brown. Anyway, Grant Thoroughly Birchall. enjoyable call. <laughs> it really was. Is this the end for Grant Birchall? Because... I mean, as Simon points out, we don't hear anything about him. I think what is interesting, a little morsel that we that we got about Birchall's condition and where he's going in rehab is the fact that we heard nothing in approach of the uh, mid-season draft. If he was going to retire, surely it would have happened then. Yeah, well, the PCL recurrence in AFL is terribly high. Mm. And uh, we're just finding that, and well, probably he's skewing the figures, but... Um, but Grant Birchall, uh, he would be remarkably frustrated. And the idea that he can still impact our squad now is probably a little bit further on. But what worries me, as sort of an outside observer, is he's not in the box. He's not... Mm. Do you know what I mean? He's just yeah, sort he of seems peripheral. Yeah. yeah. And that, that worries me because you see Tom Mitchell's there all the time. And yeah. Anyway, it, that's. I don't mean to say that he's no, no. pushed... Pushed away the club or anything like that. I just well, no, you well, you, you can't know that, can you? Yeah, I, no. I mean, to speculate that is going to um, you know sensational. Ridiculous, but I don't want it to sound like I'm saying that. Yeah, no, I think it's a fair enough thing to 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 wonder about. You know, we care about what he's doing and, and how he's going to impact the club. Personally, for me, I can't see him being the guy to lead us to our next premiership. I can't. But I hope he's all right. I hope he plays another game for Hawthorne. He's a champion. We'd love to watch Grant. Exactly. We just right. want him back. Exactly. Now, the bloke that has stepped up in Birchall's absence, Blake Hardwick, nearly took out the Crimmins medal last year mm-hmm. in a shock second poll. Yes. Incredible. The quiet contributor in our backline cohort has just kept on keeping on, basically. Still only 22. And they say that we don't have any young talent. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> and he's played every game this year, hasn't he? I think he has, yeah. A hard nut distributes the footy with precision, always puts in. You, you never see Hardwick slacking off, do you? Well, no, he's very good at hiding that, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, you're not really watching Hardwick. He's one of, there's about Hardwick? three players that uh, look exactly alike. <laughs> Is that by design? But that's so good. That's exactly what you want from a uh, from a small defender. Yeah. Is you don't want them to be noticed. Well, that's true. Kind of yep. like an umpire. <laughs> uh I'd say that Hardwick's in no danger of slipping out of this side. I mean... No, exactly. Uh, who's for, for one, his performance doesn't warrant it. Secondly, who's going to take his spot? Just terribly consistent. It's one of those things with the back line. 
at some point they're going to have to be playing the same players every week. Yes. And to have one already etched in stone is fantastic. I've given Blake Hardwick a B. And uh, just off that point is people might be noticing in terms of my grades that it's the back line I'm rating the best. And I've said that throughout this season. I've said it on multiple podcasts that our back line is our greatest asset. And uh, it's been true right up to the mid-season break. Anyway, we move on. Now, here comes the tough tough task. Yes, very tough Grading indeed. Isaac Smith. Yes, I've given him a C. A very middling C. I thought he'd do a lot better with Scully and Hendo running around with him. You'd think so. It hasn't worked out that way. He's been hampered by some niggling injuries. That's been a concern. 30 years old. Was only picked up in 2010. So he's only been playing for nine years. He was running around for Ballarat mm. before then. Then mm. he plays in the three-peat. Recently married. Do you think his priorities are... Yes, this is something you flagged on uh, last week's podcast. That's I, I reckon. Maybe the fire's not burning quite as... I reckon, the flame's not in I his reckon belly. he's due a lull. I really do. Yeah. yeah, well, he's been good for a long time. That's true. Uh, fortunately, with Scully and Henderson being as serviceable as they have been, or great even... Um, I don't feel like we've missed Smith that urgently. Well, that's another point. I mean, he's not the first option now, or yeah. the only option. For a while, he was the only option. Brad Hill left. It was just Smithy. I think the moment you get all three firing, we're a really dangerous club. I think they haven't been deployed well. That's what I'm getting to. Okay. Well, that's fair enough. That's the first season with all three. We can hack that, I guess. Something to work on. Yeah, I gave him a C. It's something's just been... A bit off with Isaac, and I, I would say, dare say he knows it, and a lot of fans feel the same way. It might be a slight alteration in his game plan mm-hmm. Yep, that he's not coping so well with, but he's gone. He's ghosted a few games. Yes. And then some quarters he'll have eight touches, and you'll be like, mm-hmm. well, you know, how can that happen? Yep, there it is. He can do it. The potential's there. Yep. Yeah. Number 17, Daniel Howe. Speaking of potential... He hasn't really been the same since the end of last year. That double suspension late in the piece. And a mystery um, knock earlier in the year Yep, that kept him out of round one. He's played four games this year. Mm-hmm. He hit 50 games last year, I think. So, I think you might be right, yeah. So he's in the bracket to have a dramatic improvement in, in terms of how you look mm. at how you look at player development, but uh, he'll be looking to assert himself after the break. Yeah, well, he's done all right at Box Hill. Must be said, but uh, he's he's really noticeably fallen out of our best twenty-two. Still a quality stopper. I think he he has that in his bag of tricks, his wheelhouse. But he's going to be fighting for that senior spot because he's not really in calculations at the moment. You wouldn't say uh, that we're really missing Dan Howe at this stage, and that's it's up to him. He's got to work his way at back his, to the senior spot. At his best, he can help us improve a great deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if he can't win his own ball and he wastes the ball on the outside, mm-hmm. then it becomes detrimental to the squad. Yep. And we saw that a couple of times. He was just a bloke running around after the ball. Yep. So Daniel Howe, with all that in mind, it's a D for mine. Uh, so you notice I rated him the same as Glass. He can oh, relax. Yes. Yeah, there we go. Yep. Uh, Consistency. I think I think D is pretty fitting for Dan Howe. I don't, don't imagine I'll get too many people arguing against that. Anyway, we move on. On to Jonathan Segler, who had a game where he couldn't drop a mark. <laughs> it was good, wasn't it? Great to see. It's usually seen as uh, second in command to McAvoy, but um, Sigler's done pretty well in his absence, you'd have to say. So not much younger than McAvoy, uh, 28 years. Mm-hmm. And he's just edging up to 70 games now. So as you mentioned, Segler's obviously stepped up his contested marking game. He hits the scoreboard too, likes his contested footy. 
And, uh, you know, I've got to say, he still never really threatens as a dominating force, like game changer or anything like that. But he's been handy for Hawthorne this year, I think. Yeah, he hasn't really improved his ruck numbers, though, which is hmm. what we really want from him. It's quite difficult to see how that uh, Pithonet-Segler tandem works mm. in the future with both being quite ungainly forward. Mm. So if we're playing a pressure forward style, we obviously need them to be marking the long bombs that we send to s- seem to be sending down to them all the time. Well, we've had two goes at that combination so far by virtue of so our... So I should give them more time? Well, I don't think we'll have a choice. Yeah. I think we're going to have to give him more time and just see what we can make of it. So I gave John Segler a B. That's a good solid mark. Yeah, I think so. Now we move on to number 19, Jack Gunston. Vice-captain this year. Yep. And filling every hole that Clyco has. Yep. <laughs> I think we know by now, we know very well, he tends to be at his most effective and have his has his best games when he's forward. Yep. Mm-hmm. But you can't always play him there because of what's because, happening around him. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> you don't accept that as an excuse? I just like the threat of having gunners forward. I... Oh, so do I, mate. That's where I would play him. But, you know, things happen around him. Players go out of the side, it's, if it's suspension, injury, whatever, um, and he's, he's shifted about. So, I mean, you know, Scrimshaw goes out of the side through injury, and then you've got a, Gunston has to play Mr. Fix-It again. Played every game, had a massive game down in Tassie. Mm-hmm. Uh, 16 goals for the season, only shaded by Luke Bruce with 20. Mm-hmm. 27 now. Um, doesn't look like he's flagging at all. He just seems no? to be keeping on. Uh, look, but I'm... he is absolutely essential to our game structure. And on game day, if he's taken out of our play, it makes it very, very difficult for Hawthorne to score. I've given him a C. It's a very modest C. It could be a bit higher than that, but... C plus. Yeah, just exactly right. I'm going to campaign for the for the change there. <laughs> campaign for the change. Yeah, I'm sure people care enough to. Uh, I think he's been a grade letter better than Chad Wingard. Well, I've reflected as much in my <laughs> ratings. Chad Wingard, number twenty. I've awarded him a D. Wingard. Rumors are that he didn't turn up fit to the club. You'd Is have... that seen out by his performances? Well, I was going to have to say you'd have to see that there's some substance in that by now. Mm, I don't know. I think he he certainly had some trouble with his lower limbs. We've calf only seen... injuries, and it, it's not great to see a calf injury in a bloke of only twenty five mm. who you're looking at getting another six to eight years out of. Yeah, look, it's it's been a frustrating year. We've seen glimpses of what he can do, but I'm afraid that's all we're going to get in 2019. We look ahead to 2020 and try not to judge him too harshly in the meantime. He's he'll be back before the end of the year. He will be, but I'm not expecting anything. I I don't know. I don't know what Hawthorne's trying to achieve for the rest of the year. By that stage, by the time Wingard gets back, if we're are we surging as finals contenders or are we? <clears throat> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Now, a bloke that I did not expect to have as much impact as he has had. I don't think anyone expected this. Tom Scully, an absolute bargain, paying dividends so far. He made his debut much earlier than anyone expected, Tiz. Round two, wasn't it? Round two or three. It was very early. So he's played 10 games for seven goals. Lovely little round-the-corner goals that you can already put down in the book as he drops, drops the ball. Yep. Very accurate, highly talented, uh, runs more than almost anybody in the... I'd say so, yep. And uh, he is the third top 10 pick. No, he's the fourth after Wingard. Fourth top 10 pick on our list. Well, I ask 
Hawks fans, as I award him a B. That is the third from another club, of course. Let's keep going. <laughs> Tom Scully, a B. Um, but, I mean, what more can you ask for? Considering what we were thinking heading into this season, that we might not see him at all, um, the, the return from Tom Scully has been incredible so far. So I'm very pleased with him. Oh, I like how he, his tenacity is there. Um, his fitness is good. He is terribly professional about how he goes about his game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's ce- he's celebrating with the boys quite heartily now. Yep, which is something you look for in a in a recruit, and uh, certainly loves to get a goal from Bruce. <laughs> is that going to act as a segue to our next player? Ah, uh, no, I've just seen that they really enjoy playing with one another. That's all right. It can be a segue to our next player. Twenty two, <laughs> Luke Bruce. Uh, I've rated a B minus. Uh, very much hot and cold this year after an All Australian twenty eighteen season, and yet tis. He's our leading goal kicker. Yep, number 47 in the rookie draft of 2008, Luke Bruce. <laughs> Jeez, we go all right, don't we? Uh, great clubman, uh, 28 years old now and still kicking goals and keeping on and, mm-hmm. and and doesn't give up but does fade in games now. Mm. And I think it's because he's let loose in the midfield a little too often. Mm. I, I, I know we can't. Get as many contested possessions as we want, but it's so frustrating to see these really excellent forwards being too far from goal. It's something that we point out about Lance Franklin. Yeah, yeah. And and I think we need to start pointing the finger at Clarko with a few of these two. We move on from Bruce to Tim O'Brien, number 23. Now, this is the first letter grade you've given that I really disagree with. Oh, okay. I would really? give I would give Timmy an A for effort. Oh, really? An A? An A for effort. Okay, what about the rest of him? <laughs> no, he's been all right. So, we've oh, had... Hang on, no. You said he's been all right. I've given him a C, listeners. Yeah. Is that not the epitome of all right? That's no. a very middling grade. No, I think he's I think he's done very well for, for his opportunity. What's he played? Six games? Yeah. I've never seen him tailed up by anybody. He hasn't been. I, I wanted to go on to say he's been I've very him, successful in his transition him, to defence. Seen him hit panic mode a couple of times. Oh, well, that's just shaking off the... Uh... But he got through that, and then he got his 50th game up, and he's been a different bloke. Very strange. The psychology of this man yep. is something that you could write a PhD on. <laughs> If he's better after 50 games, that's ridiculous. <laughs> well, he had But a, I hope it works. He had a nightmare Can't wait for his 100th. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a, incremental by 50, oh, just keep playing the boy. He had a nightmare 2018, and he seems to have turned a corner, which is really great to see. I still don't think he's in our best 22, Tiz. Yeah, but the, that's, the that's, contract alarm is blaring, yeah, by the way, for this fella. Yeah, that is true. Uh, I still think he can be a handy contributor. Just what happens with his contract is completely in his hands. But you say at the moment, he's going the right way about it. Yeah, I've enjoyed his game this year, actually. Been very frustrated with him in the past, but uh, he's become a very, very good team player. Yeah, I'm on exactly the same page there, and hence the C tis. Fair enough. The C that he deserves. Okay. <laughs> now on to our big C, <laughs> Ben Stratton. Yes, indeed. So, given the captaincy from the clouds, Mm. earned the captaincy from the clouds, that was (laughs) was a poor phrase. Obviously, deserved captain. Um, Not sure he's taken it to it too well so far. No, it seems to have blunted his ability a bit. Uh, Got knocked out at one point, so that's the game he missed, uh, and also half that match. Mm. But um, not a very consistent year from 30-year-old strats, and 
he looks like he's thinking about other people's games when he probably should be thinking of his own, That's which is right. something that a lot of captains yeah. have a great deal of trouble with. Because he's gone from sensational in 2018 to... A different like, role. A different role. Yeah, 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 true. It just seems like another player out in the park. But the, the point that you made in previous podcasts, Tiz, is that every player around him in that back half of the ground seems to have improved dramatically. So, I mean, coincidence? Probably not. I think there's some truth to what you're saying. And that's reflected in your grade. They gave him a C. Ah, fair to middling. C for compromise. I thought the back line were getting better grades than the rest of... Anyway. Well, most of them are. <laughs> Onto the tw- Sicily's been given an A+. Plus. Hardwick's a B. Haven't got to Scrimshaw yet. Onto the barometer of the Hawthorne Football Club. Number 25, oh. Ryan Schoenmakers. Schoenmakers. <laughs> Is uh, you've said his career is petering out. I've said his career is petering out. Yeah, it's, it's sad to see Achilles injury now devolving into calf complaints, and I think there's been a minor hip complaint as well. Uh, just can't break out of the twos. I mean, if Roughhead's seen as the past, then Sean Marker's at whoops, Sean Makers <laughs> at twenty eight. Leaving that in, listeners is. Uh, is uh, remarkably passed as well. It must be frustrating because, I mean, Birchall, to take his case, I think he would know what he's up against and, you know, his rehab and recovery is going to be extensive. Granted, it's been a bit more extensive than he probably would have liked. But with Sean Marcus, it feels like every time he gets close, he, he takes another step back. So I'm not sure there's a spot for him. He, I felt... Uh, that he possibly wasn't deserving of his spot on the list at the end of last year, and that he was used mm. as insurance. So a fantastic clubman. He's turned down many, many much greater offers yep. in the past. So I don't begrudge him a spot on the list, but I felt he was lucky to get one. And I don't think we'll see him there at the end of the year. No, probably not. He. Uh... So I hope he gets a game. Oh, same here. It'd be great to... Um... Send him off for that... Fantastic performance against the West Coast Eagles in 2015 where he just dominated. No word of a lie. I was watching highlights of that game this morning. <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe it's... Do you have that on a regular rotation? <laughs> Instead of an alarm, you have a video alarm? It's on my Actually, phone. that's a really good idea. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's on my phone, I'm going to admit, so I can watch it pretty much any time. Um, How did he do that? Is that visualisation technique, that, or...? What do you mean? Just showed up on the biggest day of his career and absolutely buggered up that Weagles web. They had no plan for yeah. Shuey to actually turn up and do something. No, they didn't. They didn't. But we've been been good like that. On also, the day... they didn't man up on Rioli. Which is... <laughs> That's what I thought you were talking about at first. I'm like, buggered up the web. You're talking about Rioli. No, Sean. No, well, he, he as soon as Shuey started grabbing everything. Yep. They had to man him up. Whereas well, yeah, you can look, you can look back at the highlights. Sean Marcus puts us in, inside fifty a couple of times for goals and one, and he's still got that remarkable ability to pass. Yep, yep. He, we just can't get the ball to him enough, or he doesn't demand the ball enough. I mm. feel like he's a uh, a bit of a quiet player. Yeah, I would love for Sean Marcus to have a final game. I hope he gets there, especially if we're not contending this year. Just give him the farewell he deserves. Because he's been good for us. And I think you, you make a very good point, Tiz, in saying that, you know, he might have been able to go elsewhere. Another club might have been interested. Um, but he's taken one-year contract after one-year contract. And uh, I think that's that's a good sign of character. It's good. I've given him a D. <laughs> All that being said, 
But well, uh, I mean, he, he hasn't performed at either level, so that's well, fair enough. Well, exactly. It's uh, regrettably he gets a D. So on to Liam Shields. Ever the quiet achiever, Liam Shields. With the famous number 26, he's put in some remarkable efforts. Mm-hmm. Uh, been hampered a couple of times by injury. He's into his uh, eighth game for the year. Mm-hmm. So a bloke we thought would captain the side yep. is just turning out a fairly um, satisfactory year, you'd have to say. Yeah, I'd say he's vital in terms of midfield depth, and we look a better side when he's around. It's as simple as that. When he's not in, we definitely look like we lack talent Yeah, in the midfield. Yep. He's almost good for a goal a game too, Liam. He's just putting together another quality season. It's as simple as that. I, You know, as much as we... He's underrated. He's he, 27 now. I was about to say so exactly So he's hitting that. the later years of his midfield life. He doesn't get the plaudits from the media and maybe even us sometimes, but uh, he's putting together another good season. I've given Liam Shields a B. He was taken at 34 in the 2008 draft mm-hmm. under the noses of other clubs. I'm sensing a theme here. <laughs> we tend to do that a bit. Well, he was, he was almost under age for that draft, so mm. not many clubs were looking at him that early. There you go. On to Mark Pitnett, who is finally getting some games. Yes, that's through circumstance, of course. However, he has been performing well at Box Hill. Very good at Box Hill. He's mm. uh, achieved uh, the Anzac Game Award. Yep. Um, absolutely dominated that day. Mm-hmm. So Good in the uh, grand final last year, wasn't he, as well, from memory? Yes. Yep. He's due, he's due his chance. Yeah. You know, um, whether he can uh, show that he's due at the level now, I mean... He's probably a bit young still. He's mm. only 22. Been on the list since uh, 2014 now. Yep. You don't see Ruckman dominating it as a 22-year-old. No. Everyone talks about his lack of speed. Especially me. Yeah. <laughs> Turns like a tugboat. But his um, ability to physically impact the contest, I mm. find excellent. Yeah, he's getting better at that. Yeah. It's fiery as much. But uh, ab- almost useless up forward. And Seems uh, needs to work on that. Yes. I gave him a C, Mark Pinnett. Well, we haven't seen enough of him yet. I hope. No, that's right. I hope that he takes his chance. Yeah. And I wouldn't have thought he would cement a spot this year or even next year. No, not um, not particularly judgmental in my rating there. C, because he's, he's travelling along fine, and we'll see what happens in the next few weeks in uh, McAvoy's absence. What about this guy? 28, Paul Puopolo. Leading our pressure acts. Mm-hmm. Not Paul, a bad season from Puopolo Paul. Puopolo doing what Puopolo has always done. So I'd sum up this season. He's dependable. It's pure as simple as that. Any Hawks fan that's been keeping a keen eye on what he's been producing over the last few years, he's still doing it. He's still doing it, which is great. Unfortunately, he's not scoring. Well, that's one aspect of his game, yes. Pretty key aspect for a forward. (laughs) Well, the reason why I don't hold it against him too badly, Tears, is because he's got some mates. (laughs) The whole forward line struggling with scoring. Our average score is not great. We can't it's crack less 100. Than 11 goals. We can't crack 100 so, at the moment. So we're going to find it very tough to be able to distribute those goals in, evenly in any case. So he's got six goals from 11 starts, 31. Do you see a spot for him at the end of the year? There's some blokes at Box Hill that love that spot. I'd rather not have him on the list next year, but <laughs> he still contributes a lot. He's He's heaping pressure on opposition players. He's holding them accountable. Uh, you know, he's in the twilight of his career and I just, maybe after the buy, they'll make a call on what they want to do with his spot. Because at the moment, he's not giving it up. And the only way it's, at the moment, he's going to lose it is for the club to forcibly 
just omit him from the side. Well, they're making him play centre mm. now. Yep. They're forcing him to do that. At 31. At 31, yeah. <laughs> well, it's we needed it. Um, and Wingard got pushed into the centre the other week and mm-hmm. then promptly did his hammy, which now sees him out for another three. Yep. Uh, so, I don't know. I'd like us to find another forward option. Because Buopolo is, you know, in the twilight of his career, he's going to wrap up soon. So, as much as I like the guy, and I think he's still doing things that have been the hallmarks of his career, we have to look ahead. And now, for the first of the number 29s on our list. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Will Langford's still there, is he? He's still on the list, He's yeah. still in your heart, isn't he, Tiz? And listed as retired. <laughs> no. Uh, Changwath Giath. Number 29 hasn't appeared for the senior side, but he's doing very well at Box Hill. It looks like he'll have a promising career if he finally gets uh, the nod. What do you think? Well, here's my crash course for uh, for anyone who's not familiar with CJ. A zippy defender with flair plenty in the back half. A Puopolo-esque terrier, I've described him as, that hassles the opposition as a pretty neat highlight reel already too. He's poetry in motion though, isn't he? Yeah, he's fantastic to watch. Uh, He's a genuine contributor and among the best prospects at Box Hill for mine. It'd be no shock to see him elevated this season. Uh, Just whether he can actually fill Poplo's spot forward. I know he's been tried as a forward uh, at Box Hill, but at the moment he's playing in defence. Look, I'd love to see him get a go. Uh, so He he averages 15 touches a game, Box Hmm. Hill, which is a good number. That's good. And it's a it's a it's a good ratio of kicks to handballs with nine point four kicks to five point four handballs. Means he's not kicking the ball every time he gets it. Yep. So he possibly could get a go, but he's very slight framed. That's true. Yep. So I'd say uh, I, I've awarded uh, CJ a B. I don't think I, I neglected to mention I gave Poplo a B as well. So two Bs in a row there. But yeah, I, I like CJ, and I'd like to see him get a go uh, this year. And what did you give Will? Always an A, mate. Good. <laughs> now on to Caden Brand, who's been absolutely killing it at VFL level. He's got something. I, I'm a supporter of Brand. He's second fiddle to Frawley, despite playing a pretty satisfactory season to date. I, I want to see him get more opportunities. Averaging 10 marks, and most of them aren't little passes around the back line sure, yeah, at I, Box Hill. I get what you mean, yeah. Yeah. And he's played how many games at senior level? Just three. Uh, in the absence of Frawley? Yes, this year you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So that's not enough to this point for mine. I know we need to play Frawley, but I've Well, I mean, uh, who's keeping you out of the out of the lineup, mate? Timmy. Yeah. yeah. I guess so. I guess so. But there's been a lot with Hawks fans about playing Brandon Frawley in the one team and do you do that? I know a lot of people who disagree with that idea. Well, there's only 41 games to his name now. So, okay. generally for a key, perf- key defender, mm. need a few more than that. He's been on the list since uh, 2012, 25 years of age, 198 centimetres, 92 kilos. So, he's probably a little bit light for a key defender still. Mm. But, to my mind, he has a wonderful distribution from his from his kicking. I'm a big fan of Brand. I, I hope he gets more opportunities as the, uh, as the season wears on. But I guess we'll see. I, I really... Probably depends on how the club fares, but with a tough fixture ahead, which we'll get to, um, yeah, I dare say I know how it's going to go. Okay. Now, the best performer over 30. <laughs> In more ways than one. It's number 31, Ricky Henderson. What a phenomenal year. I mean, could it be anything besides an A+. It has to be an A+. Yeah. Played every game, 
seven goals, a couple of them just beautiful goals. He gave Mitchell Lewis his first goal. Well in all Australian contention, has gone from strength to strength as the season has worn on. I mean, we um, highlighted the fact that he surpassed his own personal best uh, in terms of accumulation of the footy. He's done it, I think, three times in this year alone. Uh We've sung his praises almost every episode, Tiz. I, I found it hard to add any more notes to Hendo because, uh, you know, we've been so high on Hendo all year. I don't know if there's much left to say. He's been superb for Hawthorne. Yeah, so he's nearing his 150th game. Could hit that this year. How far away is he? Uh, he's 141 at the moment. Oh, you'd imagine he'd get that. It's a good career. It is. Crows must be feeling a little bit silly. Well, yeah, name their wingman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Number 32, David Mirror. Gave him a C, Tiz. Why was that? Because he consistently shows he's excellent at VFL level and anything above that uh, he struggles with. I'm not quite sure of his ability at the uh, at the senior level of things. Yeah, that's fair enough. He deserves his spot on the list, but I don't think he's breaking into the next premiership side, so he's 28 now. Hmm. He'll probably remain on the list for a couple more years, you'd expect. I really like Mirror in that he's a real heart and soul player for Box Hill, but uh, I think in terms of depth also he's handy, but I wouldn't put him in the best 22, not even close. They so, put him forward a couple of times at Box Hill, which is interesting. Really? Yeah. Jeez, okay. Because we know where he plays his best footy. As a, so. as a defensive forward. Right. Hmm. Intriguing. Just taking out a intercept marking uh, key back, which is Quite an interesting deployment by Max Bailey, mm-hmm. who seems to be coming along as a VFL coach. He's still learning. He admitted himself that he's still learning the other day. Oh, that's fine. Staying on Box Hill now, 33, Matthew Walker. The famous number 33. 33 seems fitting because, you know, Walker's had a Cyril-esque electricity about him ever since he's arrived. He does oh, some... Oh, there's a big buzz. Yeah, does some great things. Uh, he just needs more time. Really, it's very early on in his career. I've given him given him a C so far for what I've seen. Oh, he's kicked a bicycle goal. Like that, yep. So, flashes of brilliance. Um, he seems to be managing some kind of knee complaint. Right, okay. Uh, so, he'll have to work through that. Um, I don't think we're going to see him in the seniors this year, but uh, there's a lot of talent there. There's a lot to like. Um, seems to be, oh, I don't know, one of those players that could be anything. Mm. given the chance and given the endeavour, much like the next bloke. Number 34, Jacob Kaczynski. 196 centimetres, 93 kilos and 18 years old. <laughs> Gives you an idea of what we're looking at down there. Uh, he's been quite good at Box Hill. He's been rested a couple of times just because I think he's too young to be managing the workload. Well, he's, uh, he's had an injury-interrupted season as well. Um, but when he's had the chance, he can, you know, Show that he's shown that he can nullify a forward, uh, you know, as as you'd want from a key backman. That's like you say, very very early days. Hasn't been in the losing side yet, which okay. gives you an idea. Of it's encouraging his um his impact in the defence. So, ah, uh, there's a lot of upside there. I'm quite excited about Cosy. Can we call him that, or do we have to give him his own moniker? I'm fine with Cosy. I I've given him a D only because, you know, he's had a fairly inconsistent year in terms of playing and actually being out in the park but you know it's a D with plenty of upside he's got a lot of room to grow uh the next guy has been uh geez one out of the box 35 Jack Scrimshaw best first year player (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I've given him an A. Uh, Birch 2.0, as they call him, has arguably been the best recruit of last year's bunch tiers. How old do you reckon he is? That's a good question. Uh, I'm going to say 22. No, 20. Oh. Nine games, and he looks every bit a 200 to 250 game player. Totally at home. Uh, positioned as uh, what I would call the the opposite rook to Sicily. If we're thinking in chess terms. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yep, that's how I view them. Uh, he's a superb intercept mark, a long raking kick, distribution's excellent. What I like about him is he knows when to mark and when to punch, which is something that it took Sicily about 18 months to learn. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, Just very... little things like that. You know, the, the development of these players, you can see some of them are quicker to things than others. Is precise like Sicily as well. It's hard to believe he's only played nine games. That is that is outrageous. He's already so important that we're feeling his absence in his first year at the club. <laughs> that that is just superb. When do we get him back? It's a couple of weeks. Is oh two three weeks? I'll probably give it? him a little while. I think. Yeah. Well, yeah. you're you on the side of caution yeah. for Scrimshaw, but the, uh, Scrimshaw gets an A from me, and that might just about round out the backline cohort for Hawthorne, who um. I think they've been my best-rated players. As I said, there's no real coincidence there. I think they've been our best asset, the back line. But, uh, yeah, Scrimshaw, you've got to be happy with him. Scrimshaw, don't you, Tiz? He's a player that you flagged to son who, was, who you Very were most excited. Very excited when I got him. Yep. Very excited. And uh, that's a good call. That's a good call indeed. Mind uh, you, I was pretty excited when we got the next bloke too, but I was not excited when they gave him the number that he wears. <laughs> the cursed number 36. So he Dylan had a Moore. shoulder in- injury, Dylan Moore, yep. uh, last year, but he seems to have put all that curse behind him and he's performed at the senior level four times, kicked a goal, which mm-hmm. went unheralded by his, by his teammates because <laughs> yes. we were so bad in that a game. A bit but, dispirited. Yeah, but he's 19, a um, lot of upside there, seems to be um, very switched on for a young man. Mm-hmm. It feels like he's playing slightly or being played slightly differently than what he was last year or for Box Hill. Would that be a fair assessment? Because oh, I feel like he was a bit more... I have really noticed that. Well, I just... I feel like he's positioned more as a goal sneak in, in that premiership year for, ah, for yes. Box okay. Hill. Where, yep. Whereas we're trying to play him maybe on a wing or in the midfield at times. Well, his his need at the, at the uh, AFL level yeah. is for a wing. So yes. they'd be drilling that into him and trying to get his Ks up in the twos. But... Yeah, he has a remarkable ability to take a mark at Box Hill in the <laughs> deep forward line. That's right, yeah. Um, which you like to see, but, you know, can he do that at AFL level? I'm I don't not, think not sure yet. whether um, that's... Yeah. Well, how, how many... He's played four games. Yeah. Yeah, jury's out on what he can do at AFL level, I think. I'd give him a C for that reason. I want to see more of him, pun intended. Uh, but, I mean, you know, we'll see. We'll see what he can do in the back half of the season if there's a spot open for him. Um, maybe the expensive Popolo might be an option. Okay, could be the guy. Yep, still only nineteen, so yep, plenty of time. Number thirty-seven, Jackson Ross, just keeps kicking goals. Uh, doesn't need a lot of touches. They just seem to go through. We saw in that preseason game against Brisbane where he kicked mm-hmm. that one off, one step from the boundary line, just went straight through, and yep sort of miraculously, because the camera angle was awful on that. But beautiful kick. Um, He's a bloke that wanted to be a professional tennis player, so his whole life is focused on sport. He's only 19, uh, still only 74 kilos at 193 centimetres. 
So you'd have to assume that he's not going to debut this year, unfortunately. It's a shame because he's been good for bags of three and four from week to week for Box Hill. The VFL's leading goal kicker, Tiz. Incredible. So on that basis, I've given him an A+. Because if you're the VFL's leading goal kicker, you know, what, what could you demand of him extra beyond that? You've got to give him the highest rating possible, right? Yeah, I guess so. Maybe I'm a bit harsh on the weight thing, but... No, no, it's something to take into account. So you'd be not in favour of him uh, debuting this year? Well, um, our forward line doesn't really function too well at the moment. And hmm. I don't see him as being a bloke that's going to fix that at the moment. Or that's a fair is call. That, you know, there are small guys or lightly framed guys that can definitely impact a contest. Hmm. But I'm not sure this is the year for that. Number 38, Darren Minchington. Another forward here, Tiz. Uh, that I've awarded a C. He's showing glimpses, but he remains undermined by injury. Which would be... a remarkable goal and debut for uh, the VFL. Mm-hmm. Um, but then did a hammy soon afterwards and would be terribly frustrated. 25-year-old, so mm. this is his second chance. Taken as uh, pick 65 in the rookie draft in 2011 by St Kilda. Yep. Played 28 games for them, averaging... Well, just below a goal a game at 22 goals. So he'd have his eyes firmly on Poppy's spot. <laughs> he just needs a good run at it. It's hard to get a good read on Minchington at the moment, but you know, once he gets fit and healthy... Beautiful over... long kick. Think savage. Mm. Uh, the tragic case of number 39, Tim Moore, came from GWS to us mm-hmm. and uh, dislocated and broke his leg. Something like that. It was a horrific injury. He never really got a chance in the brown and gold. It's... You know, his whole year's just gone up in in smoke, really. Uh, given his age, Tiz. Are we 30 gonna, years. Yeah, we're going to see him star for the brown and gold at any stage, or it'd have to be next year, obviously, if he was going yeah, to. Yeah, it would be next year, and it'll depend on the recovery and the yeah whether or not they think he can recover to perform at AFL level. Mm. So, moving swiftly on to Harry Jones, who was touted by Clarko before the start of the season yeah. as a remedy to the Tom Mitchell absence. Mm. and yet we haven't seen him at all. <laughs> That's right, yeah. There was a time when he was the most exciting midfield prospect that we had coming through, <laughs> but uh, we haven't heard too much about him lately. He was praised for his hunt and aggression by the Box Hill coaches, and they have to say they seem happy with how he's going, but I don't know. I feel like I've cooled a bit on uh, Harrison Jones. I've given him a C. He's kicked four goals, four at Box Hill, averaging 18 possessions a game. Played eight games, um, averages six tackles. Okay, well, that's which is good. pretty high. Yep. So he'd be he'd be looking to debut later in the year. I think he will. There you go. Tis has called it, listeners. Wait to see if that happens. Uh, Oliver Henrahan, given a C as well, a hero of the 2018 final series for Box Hill. He's had a more modest season so far in 2019. That's thanks in part to his newfound midfield role. He's shown he can hit the scoreboard still though, and he can find plenty of the footy on his day. Yeah, rookied in 2016, he'd be looking to have a debut this year. Otherwise, I'd say it'd be under a lot of pressure to remain on the list. Maybe, maybe. Certainly has talent, uh, but he does go missing in games. Anyway, on to Taya Miles, number 42. He has put his heart and soul into this year's effort at Box Hill. He's playing like a guy that is desperately hungry for a recall to senior footy. Has it been named emergency twice, I think? Um, I think so, yeah. But he's never travelled as the emergency. Mm. So 22 years old now, they basically put the fear of God into him last year by not offering a contract until the final moments. Yeah, seemed to be on the table. And he's got 
family or very close family that's at Geelong and mm. his father was a good player. So he's got a lot of ego invested in this career, mm-hmm. of course. And uh, he certainly has a lot of people to call upon for advice. Mm-hmm. So we hope that Taylor Miles can get back into the senior lineup. He's going uh, the right way about it. He's starring for Box Hill of late. Yeah, and he seems to be making sure he kicks a goal a game. Have <laughs> you noticed true. that? Yes. Uh, he's just desperately searching for that goal. Mm. And I'm quite impressed with his determination, and I hope he succeeds. It's a B from me for Taya Miles as we move on to uh, number 44, Damon Greaves. Uh, yeah, he's still feeling his way from East Perth, so he might be taking a little while to adjust. Yeah, I've got to say, I didn't really have much on Damon. The bits I have seen him play, um, yeah, I'm not a huge fan <laughs> at this stage. He's a young fella, is he? He's 19, I think. So, uh, look, he's got a long way to go. Uh, he just needs to be afforded more time to see what we have. It, he's he's one of those nervy defenders rather than a dependable defender at this point. That might change over time, of course. He gets a fair bit of the ball off the half-back line. They're looking for distribution from Greaves. Mm. Not really a shutdown player yet and needs to work on that, obviously. Now, this is the bloke coming up that we have very strong hopes for. Big raps on Will Golds. So, taken after Damon Greaves, the 18-year-old Will Golds was taken number 30 in the rookie draft 2018, and he's got some time and space issues. He looks like a total natural with ball in hand, don't you reckon? Yeah. Very natural. seems to know where he is on the field and Mm -hmm. can find a, a free man... Um, I just like his ability to balk and, yeah, I don't know, a little bit of magic tricks. Yeah, he's got that certain something. He's uh, been playing on the wing for Box Hill, averaging 16 touches this season. He's touted as an elite runner as well. Hawthorne were apparently delighted when he got through to that level. Uh, Excellent. Picked him up as soon as they could. Number 46, James Cousins. I've given an A to his. This is odd, isn't it? James Cousins. Like, you look back at the list and there's Jack Scrimshaw with nine games at with number 35 on his back, and <laughs> now we're down here at 46. James Cousins, He might have elected games. to hold on to number 46. There might be something about it he likes. All right, listen to this. Seven games last year, one goal. Ten Jesus games built on that. Ten games this year, eight goals. <laughs> Just performing beautifully. Taken at number 46 <laughs> in the rookie 2016 draft. So perhaps that's why. Maybe that's why. Maybe. That's uh, eight goals, mind you. That's tied with Roughhead. <laughs> so he's equal third for our goal kicking. He's had more games though, hasn't he? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think he has actually. Yeah, he might have done. Now, along with Warple, Cousins, a really exciting prospect that's successfully chipped in to cover for Mitchell's absence. He's, uh, he used to have those games where he looked a bit shaky, but these days he looks like a natural. He looks like he belongs out there at the level, wouldn't you say, Tiz? Well, he certainly believes it, and he's kicking truly on a lot of opportunities mm-hmm. that a lot of blokes seem to fluff. Yes, that has been one of the stories this year. He's been one of the more consistent blokes in front of goal. Now, last bloke on the list. Number 47. Ned Reeves. Ned the son, Reeves. <laughs> now, for all the conjecture that uh, he doesn't deserve his spot on the list because his dad's <laughs> talked the club into it. Yep. Um, this bloke's 20. He's 208 centimetres. That's got to count for something, He's right? He's 96 kilos. Yep. And uh, I would say that I'm quite excited by Ned Reeves. I've arrived at two words for Ned, for Ned Reeves. Uh, lanky and green. <laughs> Which makes him sound like some kind of monster. But uh, no. I, just I, would, mean... I, would, I would say unfit. Yeah. 
and uh, definitely it's in a couple of pre-seasons. So uh, he's going to look like he can't get to the right spots now. Exactly. Yeah. But he has a degree of talent by foot and hand that is going to be remarkable. Mm-hmm. And you can get excited about number 47. I don't suggest you go out and get 47 on your back. <laughs> that will probably change. change. Yeah. But, yeah, he'll be very good for for a long time. And you've got to remember, he'll be he's 20 now, two pre-seasons. We're looking at him coming in when he's 23, 24. Mm-hmm. And by that stage, McAvoy's dropped off the list. Maybe even Segler as well. So it'll be interesting to see what Hawthorne do in terms of their ruck department for the next couple of years and whether they recruit or trade for a new ruck. Mm. But what do you think of the list? You said our back line is the best part of our list. Yep. Yeah, I've been saying that all A year lot of them are refor- reformed forwards. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how that pans out. Ryan Hardwick, Burton would have been the same if he was Hardwick, still around. Cicely. Yep. The other one. O'Brien. O'Brien. <laughs> yep, he counts, yeah. Yeah, look, uh, the back line's the greatest asset, and I think, uh, you know, barring injuries or suspensions or you know, if we could get some consistency in that area I think it'd be by far our, our greatest and strongest asset and I don't know it's it's as ever it's the forward line that worries me a bit because I know what's happening with the midfield I know that Mitchell's going to come back in and 2020 we're going to look a lot better uh, especially when you factor in you know guys like Walpole and Cousins they're going to be better by the time 2020 rolls around it's still the forward line and uh, maybe even strategy more so than personnel that worries me a bit. It's going to be interesting because they're going to have a placeholder for Wingard for a while. Mm. And then we have to churn it all up again Yes, when he returns. Which is the same with any bloke. I'm not begrudging no, Wingard. No. If yep. Bruce went out, it would be the same. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, 2019 is the year of development you, nothing, and experimentation. Nothing ever looks, or nothing is ever as bad as it looks or as good as it looks. Yep. So, but I've got to say that I do not forecast any kind of happy ending in terms of win-loss ratio to this year. Well, speaking of tears, we heard from one of our listeners, Jez, at Hawk Talk Pod. What win-loss ratio would you deem as acceptable this year, given injuries, our list, and run of tough games coming up? Even Swans are firing up, so nothing easy coming up for the Hawks. Now, you said five matches. Yeah, I'd said, I said we'd win five the remainder of the year, which is a bit... We should uh, double our tally. Yeah, it's a bit light on, I guess. Mm. You did give us that win against GWS, though. No, I didn't. Up you in did. Canberra. You gave us the win. <laughs> did, did I? Yeah. You're super keen to get up there for some reason. Mind yeah. <laughs> yes. you, if Adelaide can beat them. So basically, the rest of this year is going to be paying the price for the win next year in the grand final. <laughs> is that is so? that right? <laughs> well, look, I, in a way, I'd be happy with five wins because it means that hopefully, you know, we'd... Well, we'd miss finals, but hopefully be somewhere on the ladder that might afford us a decent fixture. Fingers crossed. I mean, you never know, do you? But you'd want to finish in such a way that puts us in good stead for next year. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, we've got a rough trot yep. in the next couple of months. Well, I can tell you, Tis, that HawthorneFC.com.au reports the second half of the season poses both its challenges and its opportunities for the Hawks. Of the last <laughs> 11 games, they will face current top five teams six times. There you go. But in a row, you've got the Eagles, then you have Collingwood, mm-hmm. both at the G. Yep. Then we travel to Tassie to play the Dockers, who are now ninth, but having a good run. And then 
the Cats. We face three of the bottom six sides in the run home. So there you go. They'd probably be the ones we'd be hedging our bets on and hoping that we can win. Oh, yeah. Gold Coast, North and Sydney. I'm not saying there's certain wins, but you'd be hoping that we put up a good show. Well, I just want to beat Essendon this week. That's right. Yeah, you just... <laughs> I'm exactly the same. I want One to week beat, at a time. Oh, yeah. I want to beat the teams who I want to beat. And that's, you know, we, we play Geelong against, uh, again, don't we? So I want to beat Geelong too. But one week at a time. Snap uh, that. Snap that bloody uh, record they're going. I think, uh, did Collingwood get to them before us? Collingwood might might help us out there with snapping their winning streak. But anyway, enough about Geelong. We've got our own game to turn our attention to after the bye. Essendon versus Hawthorne at Marvel Stadium, Friday, June 14th at 7.50pm. Now, they are ravaged by injury and by Mm -hmm. having a terrible coach. So, what is it? No Stringer? Danaher's not there. Possibly no Fantasia, Fantasia, if you like. (laughs) Uh, Shield might return. And Devin Smith is gone. Mm -hmm. So... They're bare bones kind of stuff. We're going to have young players versus young players here. Now, the, the, I think on average they're going to have higher draft picks or you know better draft picks than we do on display. Now, the Age gave their own little uh, mid-season report card of Essendon saying, when Essendon are allowed to play the way they like to play, they're one of the most exhilarating teams to watch. Performances against the Brisbane Lions, Collingwood, Melbourne and North Melbourne stand out as reasons some experts had them finishing in the top four. Now, really... Yeah, with the exception of Collingwood there, who have they played their best footy against? Not great opposition. That was a weird game against Collingwood. It was. Very strange. Uh, We have Sicily available, miraculously, after he escaped suspension. Yeah. Yeah, you can believe in miracles, listeners. It did actually happen. Wingard, of course, goes out of the side, unfortunately, sustaining a hamstring injury. Who comes in to replace him? Well, there's no one coming back. Soon. No. So, it's someone from... Box Hill. Moore? I don't know. Yeah, probably be Moore, yeah. I'd say. Considering I think Moore gave up his spot for Wingard, it seems to make the most sense. Yeah, okay. I, th- I think I forgot about that, yeah. Yeah. Ahead of the uh, Brisbane game. So will you be in attendance Friday night? Yeah, yeah. Although it's at Marvel Stadium, I'll be there. On the back of the 89 cinema display? <laughs> I don't think I'm attending that, sadly. It's just a little too steep. You're talking about going up to Canberra. I've got to afford that airfare somehow. I'm not paying 80 bucks to watch the grand final. I mean, once I came around to that conclusion, it made sense to me. I really want to go, but... If there's one thing you learn from that grand final... Yeah. It's paying the price, Mark. And <laughs> Very good. It's probably what they did in the marketing. Why don't they just put 89 as the, <laughs> just make as the price? Dollars. Yeah. yeah. Just do that for... Imagine 08. Be great. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, you're on a bit of a roll here. Yeah, yeah, just waxing. So, uh, now, you got that book a little while ago, Black, what is it? Red, Black? Black and Damn Proud. Well, just for context, and you're not getting away with it, I got it from you. Yeah. You gave it to me. You said, do you want to have a bit of a read of this? And I said, do I? Because <laughs> I was genuinely curious. This is a, it was a fan book, wasn't it? It was, it was published by Slattery Media, I think, and... It was uh, from the perspective of Essendon fans throughout that tumultuous time. So uh, um, Slattery spotted a gap in the market for what? <laughs> well, for certain Essendon fans. Right. Um, yeah, basically to it was a book uh, of a series of tales, mostly from Essendon fans, about um, how they coped during that supplement saga. And 
I, I'll Was tell there you right now. A lot now. of uh, microwaving memberships and things. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Like, I are you going to try and make me sensitive to no, the no. plight of the Essendon fans? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I don't. And no one should be sympathetic to the club at all. What the, the curiosity about this book is that from the fans' perspective and each of their individual stories, what we're what you see is that they're enormously forgiving of the club. And I, I don't I really understand why this is the case because their lives crumble around them during this time. What do you what? mean, their lives? Well... Don't they, they have a separate existence to their football club. This is what you'd hope. But the more you read on through these individual stories, these are people that... What is the point of a book like this? I, I don't know. A is solidarity? A- I, I'm not really sure. Okay. I, I think it serves to underscore... And it's a bit rich of us because we've got a podcast, but you can't let your whole life revolve around football, and especially oh, does not he put that as the epilogue. Does <laughs> it? <laughs> you you can't you can't let your whole life revolve around the Essendon Football Club because um, this is what happens. They look, will betray you. That that's what it is. It's a betrayal, but and they, yet but, they don't assert it as a betrayal. No, they don't. They remain as loyal as ever, and and part of me thinks, well. A credit to them. That's that's good. That that's good passion. But also, it's their their passion for this club that was betrayed, and it brought them undone to the point of relationships ruined. Uh, you you know, we're talking about people that they don't seem to say it themselves, but they were, in certain terms, at risk. This is a very strange publication. It, it's a bleak publication about uh, mental health. This would be one would of the say. oddest. Does Wayne Swast know about this? <laughs> I don't know, but you read you read about these people, and it's like this is less about the Essendon Football Club than it's about people who are at risk, like psychologically, who who put so much uh, into this football club, um, and I'm and not, they were absolutely completely betrayed. I feel very awkward about all this because as do I these. These are just spectators. They are. Can you imagine what the playing list felt like? Exactly. What I'm trying to say, Tiz, is fuck Essendon. Really? Because it doesn't sound like that. No, I am, because these poor people. You mean fuck the admin? Yeah. Well, yes. E- effectively, yeah. The people that oversaw this and, and right. had a genuine role in it. I'm not saying the players per se. Hmm. Because people's lives are turned upside down, including these fans who I'm not trying to generate sympathy for them. I'm more underscoring how irresponsible this club was and how many people they hurt. And the fans, these these very people, they've written about this and they're publishing it in this book. They don't know any better but to turn around and keep supporting Essendon anyway. Well, that's because the AFL obscured the evidence, I would say, and denied them, what, justice to those fans? Essendon don't deserve the fans that they have. They are incredibly lucky right. that they have anyone at all. I don't know where to go from that, honestly. I've read, I've read parts of this book. I haven't read the whole thing through, cover to I cover. Did, I did think about it at the time. Were that my club? Of course, that went through my head as what well. What would I do? Yeah, I'd, That's hopefully... a natural progression for a sensitive new age guy. <laughs> Such as yourself. <laughs> that is a, yeah, it's a, it's a natural sort of train of thought to follow. And we all had Essendon mates. Yep. And at some point it became, what would you say? Unsavory to keep pushing. Oh, it's a little cheap. It's it's shooting fish in a barrel. And, and look, 
as the uh, the the tweet bearer of this podcast, the guy who tweets, uh, I've been known to go low on a few occasions and, and to make light of this saga because I know it hurts them. And that's mean. <laughs> it's cheap and it's mean, but uh, look. Well, I mean, Sammy Mitchell came out and did what he did and he was admonished yeah. for doing so, even though a lot of Hawthorne people, a lot in AFL didn't see anything wrong with that. And we know that, that drugs and, and uh, performance-enhancing drugs are rife at the lower levels. What I would say, state footy. What I would say is that if you're making those sorts of jokes. That it's not my problem. I didn't do it. Not one fan at Hawthorne did it. Not one fan at Essendon did it. And if you read this book, if Essendon fans read this book about their club, they should feel very hurt. But so what you've done I don't is you've th- taken the suffering of Essendon supporters who stood by their club yep. and made it an argument against the administration yes. of the Essendon Football Club. I have. What? Wonderful. <laughs> Excellently done. Uh, Caro herself would be <laughs> proud. It is a fascinating and, and deeply disheartening read. And, and the sad thing is Essendon do not deserve it, but their own fans will pick up this book and read it and they'll double down on their passion for the club. It's it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Gobsmacking. What's yeah. it called again? Red, Black, and Damn Proud. Red, Black, and Damn Proud. You know what? I hope it, nothing like that ever happens to our club, Tiz, because I don't know how I'd react, given all this. Or we've had our own suffering. But that level of betrayal, I, I can't picture it. Anyway, while they were cheating, we were three-peating. We move on. Whatever it takes, Joe. Whatever it takes, indeed. Uh, how are we going to go against Essendon with all this being said? Oh, I like our chances. Um, mm-hmm. Essendon probably play a good quarter a week, just like we do. So that's what I was going to say. I can't. I can't really work out Essendon's identity for 2019. Like, what do they? What do they produce? What do they stand for week to week? Listen, mate. That was a coach killer. Essendon versus Carlton. Yeah, a coach killer. If Essendon lost. That's right, yeah. It could have been so much different. Well, I mean, he would be gone. Warsfold. You reckon it'd be as simple as that? You, yep. reckon, you reckon he was that on the brink? Absolutely. Well, they okay. are terribly disheartened with how they're performing. Their defence is terrible. Well, our offence is terrible, so that should be a their, great game to their watch. Their ball movement is ugly. Yeah. They celebrate upon losing. <laughs> uh, they, they're one percenters that they're not doing properly. And I'd have to say that we will be better prepared for the Essendon mm. game style, then uh, the Essendon are prepared for the Hawthorne attack. Quite possibly. It worries me that it's at Marvel. I don't think we ever play terribly well there. No, that's true. We don't enjoy it there. No, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, what do you think of Marvel now that the AFL have taken over? Has it improved in any way, shape or form? I've not been there enough since it changed hands to really make a definitive conclusion. I t- there were a couple of Marvel characters inserted into the slide today, weren't there? Were there? I don't know. There just seemed to be a lot of Marvel yeah. paraphernalia around. Oh, it's all about the money with the AFL. I wouldn't be terribly shocked. But it's all about the optics, Tiz. <laughs> all about the optics. Which leads us to uh, another week, another fan evicted. Fox Sports oh, reports a football fan claims he was evicted from Marvel Stadium on Saturday afternoon for calling an umpire a bald-headed flog. The AFL confirmed to foxfooty.com.au a supporter was ejected at halftime of Carlton's win over Brisbane but could not provide more details on the incident. You can't handball with one arm, you bald-headed flog, I believe was that the is phrase. allegedly what was said. 
Um, now Richmond, as as we flagged at the top of the show, they're asking for a please explain uh, off their own banning of one of their cheer squad members. They're asking for a please explain from the AFL about, well, what can we do? What you, are we... Like, you, you can't police this without actually informing us of the law. So what can we actually say? Which I think is perfectly fair enough. Do you? Yeah, I do. Because I don't want to be in the crowd. I'm not a particularly aggressive fan. You have to understand. But I get annoyed like anyone else. And at such a time as when, you know, Sicily lightly brushes a guy and it costs us the game, mm. I don't know what I'm going to say in that moment. I, I don't think I'm a particularly abrasive or offensive character, but I don't know what can come out of my mouth. Things happen in the heat of passion for this for this game. And I don't want to be ejected for that. I want to know what I can and can't say. I think that's only fair. If I'm going to pay to get in, like it's like, you know, you go to the movies, right? There are certain things you are not allowed to do. Not what you're thinking of, Tiz. Get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> like you can't film the movie, for instance. That's against the law. Right. I want to know what are the grounds for getting ejected in terms of what can I say at the ground. Yeah, you just want a list of what are the limits on your free speech when you go to the footy. And when you put it like that, isn't it bloody worrying? <laughs> isn't that just a little bit weird to be talking about? Well, it seems to me they're just trying to excise the passion out of football. <laughs> oh, was that all? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. Well, they're doing everything they can. Uh, they are. They're, they're umpiring's obtuse. The, uh, the fixturing is awful. The camera angles are getting worse. Uh, the commentary's bad. Let's bring in new rules without working out the old ones at you a know, rate of knots. They're doing all they can to disband the passionate fans that you spoke about in that Essendon book, the <laughs> ones that will never err yeah. from attending the games. And they know that, they're and they're being the, arrogant about it. They're forcing the prices up, the better the contest, the higher you pay. With all this in mind, his listeners have asked me to prepare a very special rant. Have they? This week. Oh, yeah. on the back of Warner. Well, yeah, exactly. I don't have one for Essendon this week because I've gone the AFL. Oh. I've been asked to try and better Mick Warner's superb rant. I don't know if I'm going to be able Was to do it. Was that off the cuff, do you think, Mick Warner's? I'd say it wasn't insofar as he's probably been thinking about that stuff for a while. Because it scanned pretty well, i got to say. It did. It was savage. And all of it on point. So that's the task I've got ahead of me. I've got to try and better Mick Warner's we've rant locked, the AFL. Um, we've liked Mick Warner for a while now. Mm. He seems to take no prisoners uh, when it comes to the AFL. There needs to be more in the media that do that. There's not enough visible people in the footy media that will actually serve it up to them. And 3OW are going to have to protect him because uh, he's going to get a fair bit of heat for the things he's saying. And that's where we come in, Tiz, because no one gives us stuff what we say. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm at liberty to say what I want. This, to me, is the most important soapbox there is because it speaks to the state of the game. And the game, frankly, is in danger. When you consider the rampant rule changes, the ideas have been tabled, it's not even a smidge of hyperbole in saying so. You take the news cycle surrounding the AFL, it's been beyond ridiculous, Tiz, the past couple of years. And if I may, I'd like to illustrate my point with something I prepared earlier. I'm not feeling a lot of love for our logo from footy fans, so I think we really need to revamp our logo and revitalise the brand. If it takes a six-figure sum, well, so be it. I really think it's time that we tabled the idea of a twilight or night grand final again. We're going to take advantage of the buy rounds to trial four umpires instead of three, so uh, I think that could compromise consistency. The protected zone is really strong, hard enough for umpires as it is here, that but we really, really want to try any four of these. Well, well over due to traditional three, just to see what impact that has on the game. 
start I vote we completely deconstruct the MRP and instead appoint an MRO in my position who will solely be in charge for making the decisions post round. What about instead of the current goals quest that we have now? AFLX will be a revolutionary brand football, a fast paced competition the whole family can enjoy. It's going to be really exciting to see all the stars that run the Enough meddling for f**k's sake McLaughlin hocking everyone at AFL house Just let us enjoy the footy Every week now there's some wild new proposal or lame brain idea that seeks to mutate our great game beyond recognition. And this is not to say that nothing's worth tweaking, but the way you've behaved in recent memory, the sweeping changes, the self-congratulatory shite, it smacks of arrogance, as if you own Aussie rules and you'll reshape it as you see fit. But you don't own anything, not really. This game belongs to the fans, and without us there's bugger all. And I know you don't see us as people, you just see dollar signs, so it's useless appealing to humanity. No, instead I'm going to appeal to your hip pocket. To anyone that has any semblance of power or influence at AFL House, this is my promise. If you look after us, we will look after you. Quit testing our patience. Quit changing the game we love. Admit you're wrong when all signs say as much. Be the custodians of the game you're meant to be and look after us paying punters. Hell, if for one second you quit making enemies of us, you might find business starts to pick up beyond your wildest dreams. Showing fans some modicum of respect is best for business. And if you're thinking, well, we already do that, we do look after our supporters. I invite you to take a glance at social media on any given weekend. I want you to read where people think the game is and where they think it's going. So you might crunch the numbers and say things are healthier than ever, but health can always turn. So basically, you can take the fans with you or you can see what happens. I know what I'd be doing. Jeez, Nick, Gil won't get on the radio for a week now. He'll be, <laughs> be too petrified to put his head up. But I speak the truth. I, I am passionate about that. I'm passionate about everything that I said. Nothing was um, more blatant to me than on the weekend, because it was the buy, I thought I'd have a look at something that involved Hawthorne, but you know, not one of the old premierships or anything like that. Yep. I flicked to round six at Princess Park, 1989, an attendance of 17,430 mm-hmm. watched Hawthorne play Geelong. A okay. famous game. A famous game. Yep. So this is the score at the end of the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Five goals, three thirty-three to eight goals, four fifty-two. It's not bad. Quarter margin, obviously nineteen points. At half time, it's nine goals, five fifty-nine to seventeen six one hundred and eight. Hawthorne down by forty-nine. What are they going to do, Tiz? Three quarter time, one hundred and five to one hundred and twenty-four. Geelong by nineteen. <laughs> okay. Wow. Full-time, Hawthorne win by eight points, <laughs> having scored 66 points in the final quarter to 39, mm. which is almost a game score yeah. of our period of football watching. Mm, right? That's true. To finish 26-15, 171, to 25-13, 163. Mm. Five goal hauls to Dermot and Bacanara, four to Dunstall, Three to Tony Hall. Dean Anderson got two, which unfortunately can't pick up his kid. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Dipper got in with one. John Kennedy got in with one. John Platten. Gary Ayres kicked a magnificent goal. Mm-hmm. And Morrissey kicked two, one of which was the um, 
the one to take the lead off the ground. <laughs> Just incredible stuff. A bloke called Gavin Exel kicked nine with Gary Ablett running around the forward line next to him. <laughs> he only kicked three. Bill Brownless, three. Gary Hocking, three. Mark Yates, three. And this was a preview of the 1989 grand final. That's right. That Hawthorne are showing on Thursday night at the cinema. Yep. Jam Factory, Village Cinemas. Get your tickets now. But what a remarkable game. Mm. That is all-out attack. Now, do you want to know how many tackles were laid? This is just fantastic. (laughs) I love this. All right, hit us with it. 31 for Hawthorne and 29 for Geelong. 60 tackles all up. What are we thinking? Do you reckon that was better to watch? Distinct lack of 666 in that game, I would have thought. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what they're after. They're they're looking for, for results like this, you know, high scoring. That they are. There's only two umpires listed as overseeing the game. Yep, as opposed to four in these uh, by rounds. How about this? How about this, though? And I omitted this earlier. Mm-hmm. Saturday, 6th of May, mm-hmm. at 2.10. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, at, at 2.10. It's not 3.20 on a Sunday? No. Hmm, okay. Incredible. Does that suit the broadcasters, though? Is that what's? How much is that worth? <laughs> is that... Can we just we're crunch, probably lucky. Can we that, crunch those numbers? We're probably or? lucky that vision exists of this game. <laughs> to be are. quite honest, yeah, yeah. So it's at the end of the VFL era, and uh, Brereton's running around in these fantastically fluorescent yellow boots. <laughs> Great to watch. Yep. And there's egos on show, and there's crowd involvement, and you know it's at Princess Park, which wasn't the greatest ground. There's only seventeen thousand there. Yep. But what a performance! So you might ask, as I'm sure listeners are, where did uh, it all go wrong? I thought you were going to ask, why isn't Tuck in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> but continue on. Also valid. <laughs> no, I'm just asking, where did it all go wrong? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I guess Paul Ruse has a lot to do with it. I always, <laughs> I always like to kick Paul Ruse. Uh, that awful game style we had to endure yes. after Lee Matthews had brought that wonderful... Uh, side to the MCG for four Septembers in a row. We had to suffer through the indignity of Sydney mm. and then the the, um, the druggy West Coast side. I just want to clarify for listeners that, you know, that game that you've brought up to his 1989, things are going to change over the course of history. From 30 years 19- ago. Exactly. 30 years ago, I accept that things will change. But at the rate at which the administration is changing things now as evidenced by that little clip that I played, which was, uh, what did you, because I, I played you that little thing that I mocked up before, because I wanted to see what you thought of it. And I think you described it as... Uh... <laughs> Jared Waitley highlights from 360. <laughs> Just on imagining loop. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that's only from like the last two or three years. Do you reckon we've changed enough? Can we just relax for one week? One year even? Can we just stop? And enjoy it. Just stop and see how it goes and let fans enjoy the product. Because, like I said, I can accept over a 30-year period there are things about the game that will change and there are things you can tweak. The amount that they're doing is just insufferable. It is ridiculous. And there's outcry every week over something as, as simple as, you know, Dan Howe flies today in the Queen's Birthday Clash and sticks his boots into oh, a Melbourne yeah. player. And it's, it's well, not it, a mark. It's quintessential marking yeah. for the last 50 years and apparently no longer any good. It's so frustrating. That is a Toby Green rule and it should exactly. only be exacted against Toby Green. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like the Buddy Franklin one. Now, people think I'm being stupid, <laughs> right? Saying that it's only for Toby Green. 
but mm. the natural arc is only for Buddy Franklin. That's right. Yeah, established. We know this. <laughs> Dropping the ball play on is obviously only enforced against Hawthorne. The Bulldogs can throw it. <laughs> yeah, all these things we know. But seriously, I just... The, the, a rant like that is generated from fear about not only what has happened, but where we're going next. I just... At the rate we're going, the way they're introducing stuff at that kind of frequency, I don't know if the game's going to be recognisable in like five years' time. It's not just that that they're introducing changes, but the way they abruptly introduce them without heralding them or even putting them up for any kind of authority on football before Mm. they're brought in, Mm. and the fact that they hardly ever produce the result that is that, that's right. That like, mandates the decision. The, the six 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 thing, designed to increase scoring, which again would be best for business for them because more goals, more ads. I see it. I see you, AFL. It's transparent. Okay, it hasn't worked, but they'll tick off on it. It is insanity. And if you don't say anything now, like the Mick Warners of the world, they'll keep on adding and tweaking and refining. But they'll and it's regard just... they'll regard you as a henny penny. And they think that they're making all the hard decisions and they're copping all the flack, but um, they're going to stay the line and it's going to be good in the end. Can I just say to you, I don't think that my thinking is radical. I, I think the reason I'm comfortable saying any of this stuff is I feel I have support in it. I feel that with the stuff I see on social media, people are starting to hate the game. And especially given this whole, um, like, what you can and can't say thing, people are way divided on that. I go back to the Jurassic Park philosophy. (laughs) Yep. The more force you try to exert on a living system, the less predictable it becomes. Actually reminds me of my own Jurassic Park quote that uh, I tend to wheel out whenever I see North Melbourne play. That is one big pile of shit. (laughs) (laughs) They're winning now, too. Oh, that can't last. Felt a bit sorry for Bolts after Carlton got a win. I mean, you're proven right, Tiz. I doubted you, but that that bounce theory, I think they're calling it, that tends to happen. Dead cat bounce. (laughs) (laughs) A coach gets sacked and the team comes out the next week. A little bit too late for the outgoing coach, but I don't know, it seems to happen for whatever reason. You were right, I'll pay you that. All right, we're going to backtrack now to some listener questions that, uh, geez, we did we did a call out about half an hour before we hit record, so we're just doing some quick backtracking now to see what's come through. We heard from uh, Roland Chung, uh, who asks, will Taya Miles get another game? Thought he was quite promising last year until he got dropped. Well, you seem to be, as, as we said in the mid-season report card, Tiz, you're, you're a supporter of Taya getting another shot? I think so. Worked very hard. Um, just needs a bit of a break. The second the back line gets settled, I, I think it becomes harder for him, but... Still, he is showing some versatility at Box Hill level, so that holds him in good stead. Uh, we heard from Nathan at Hawk Talk Pod. Will Tim O'Brien be at the Hawks next year, or can he be trade bait since he's been serviceable, especially if that's his best consistent year at the Hawks? Do you reckon any clubs after Tim O'Brien, if that's the way we want to go? I don't think so. I, I find it hard to see as well. I just I can't picture any particular club that would like him. He's got a few games yet. To impress, but yeah. if he impresses enough, Hawthorne just re-sign him. Yeah, it'll be as simple as that. Uh, let's see, we've got Andrew Rigby. You might be able to help me out on this one, Tiz. Uh, any news of Finn McGuinness's form in the TAC Cup? Pretty bloody encouraging, to be honest. <laughs> well, it's uh, summed up pretty nicely. Uh, he's also been performing very well for Kerry Grammer, and uh, I, only, I can only hope that Tom Mitchell's also down there telling him how to kick a footy. 
Mark Sturt at Hook Talk Pod asks, what are the chances of us getting cogs in this off-season? Anywhere from 90% to 100, I would have thought. <laughs> oh, jeez. You back us in? Yeah. Apparently Geelong want him now well, as well. Bugger off, off, Geelong. Yeah, well, only if they get rid of that Kelly fella. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, That's probably why they're considering it. God, the fact that he's on under 200k is just monstrous. Well, he, uh, he rebuffed their uh, advances to try and get him to sign. Did you read that today? Again? Yeah, he stalled it. Stalled them for the time being, which is always fun for the media, isn't it? They'll love oh, that. Oh, well, stuff them. They made um, Henderson do the same when he was at Carlton. Mm-hmm. And he just walked to Geelong. Everything comes back. That's so true. Uh, Brent Hodson, which potential debutants would you like to see this year? Well, I've said I'd be in favour of seeing CJ. I'd like to see him be elevated and get a crack. Yeah, Harry Jones for me. All right, there's our nominations there. And one more, I think, we'll... Uh, We'll uh, cap it off. Uh, apologies if we didn't get to anyone in particular. Uh, we heard from Trent. What's the overall vibe of this year? Positive or are you like me after each loss? Uh, he's attached a picture of, uh, well, it's a very tearful picture. <laughs> <laughs> Wondering when the hell Mitchell's going to come back. <laughs> uh, what was that thing they made us do at school? You know, that survivor swimming? It's just like that. <laughs> Well, we can tell what kind of schooling you had. <laughs> One with a pool. <laughs> oh, no, they dragged us out there. God, oh, right, I, God okay. I was cold. <laughs> Look, I, I feel pretty positive. Uh, again, it's it's much easier to be positive. Sculling. Once scu- sculling. That's what it is. It's all about sculling. Bit of, bit of the Tom Sculling. Yes. Well, he's well, I, basically one of the big highlights this year. I feel positive about this year. It's a lot easier to be positive, listeners, when you so relinquish those, those expectations of finals glory or premiership glory for the time being. If you start looking ahead to 2020, there's plenty to get excited about. So come with me on that, if you will. I encourage you. It's a good place to be. Natural improvement in a lot of these boys. And we've seen, we got went through the list. How many are under 23? Mm-hmm. They're going to be very good. Indeed they are. I think that just about wraps up our podcast for this week. Uh, just a reminder, you can jump on iTunes and rate and review us there. I'd really love if you could do that as we surge towards 200 ratings. So about 99% of them five stars. So we thank you for that. Leave a review too. Uh, Twitter, at HawkTalkPod. Again, get on board because it's going to be a fiery week as we lead up to that Essendon clash. We love a win against Essendon and we love the banter on social media that comes and with if, it too. And if we lose, it's because there was no rant. Oh... <laughs> Am I going to have to mock one up midweek now? Just for... Well, if I get blamed for travelling to Brisbane, you can get blamed for not having uh, a rant. Okay, all right, fair enough. <laughs> uh, I can, well, I feel like I need to come up with a rant now. Um, all right, here we go. F*** off, Essendon. Oh, there no. Oh. <laughs> there, there it is. All right, so there's the rant for round 12, is it? Yep, uh, <laughs> 13. Uh, okay, Twitter, at HawkTalkPod, I've mentioned that. Facebook, facebook.com slash HawkTalkPod. Tizzy and making the trip to Marvel Stadium. Yep. I got my tickets on the boundary so I don't have to eyeball any Essendon supporters. <laughs> well done. Well, I'm in standing room uh, and that'll mean that everyone in front of us will be Essendon <laughs> and they'll be turning around all game and giving it to us. That'll be fun. Rookie error. Oh, I've missed that. <laughs> Still better than North supporters. So what have you got for the outro this week? I know I wrote the lyrics to the last one. People really liked that one and you did write the lyrics. Well done. I've People been going through a few other songs... There's been some listenership that uh, had a couple of suggestions, things that rhyme with Sicily. <laughs> That's right. Um, no, I, 
I don't really have anything this week. Is what I would say if I didn't have something up my sleeve. But as it is, I have this fabulous recording from Michael Moncrief. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. Oh, no. Yes. This I meant, is awful. This was meant to be for the buy round last year. But uh, I've it saved it. It got killed on... <laughs> it got hammered down that time. Well, I've got it this year. <laughs> Uh, this is an actual recording from uh, one-time player in brown and gold. Michael Moncrief uh, joins a lineup of uh, VFL stars in a, in a it was a recording session for a vinyl LP called Footy Favorites. I think. What did they pluck him out for? What? Why him in particular? I don't know because he can't sing. <laughs> so I don't know why he's lending his vocal efforts to uh, "Don't Stand So Close to Me." Oh, yes, that's that, right. That's an iffy song at the best of times. Thematically, yep. Uh, why that song? Why Michael Moncrief? Why anything, Tiz? Why are we playing it? <laughs> uh, basically, that's going to be the Hawk Talk podcast. That's going to be our outro. Aren't you excited, Tiz? It's, that's a great choice to leave on. 1978 Premiership winner, Michael Moncrief with... Don't Stand So Close To Me. <laughs> we are a happy team at Hawthorne. Young teacher, the subject of She wants you so badly, knows what she wants to be.